chapter number five tonight. We're going to look at two verses tonight. We're going to look at the next woe. We've seen the first two woes. These next four woes come in real, uh, they, they just come in succession. And as the first two, you had the woe, and then you had some of the consequences. These, we get the next four woes, and then we have the consequences. So these are going to, uh, only a couple of verses for each one. But tonight we're going to look at the next one in verses 18 and 19. And tonight I want to speak to us on this subject, woe to the scorner. Woe to the scorner. What is a scorner? Let me give you a definition if I could tonight. A scorner is an arrogant and opinionated person who resents correction, who despises authority, and shows contempt for those trying to teach or warn him. Let me give that to us again. A scorner is an arrogant and opinionated person who resents correction, who despises authority, and who shows contempt for those trying to teach or warn him. Some scorners are very easy to spot, while others sit in a pew every Sunday and critique and pick apart and defy. Those are hard sometimes to pinpoint, aren't they? Uh, the scorners that are just in your face about it, they're easy to pick out. They don't want anybody telling them what to do. They don't want any authority over them. Here's the truth. All of us have authority over us. All of us. We have some form of authority over us. The scorner despises authority. He resents correction and he shows contempt for those trying to teach or warn him. Let me say this tonight, just as a side note. I understand that every pastor or Sunday school teacher that we may grow up under is not going to be perfect. Because none of us are perfect, are we? And by the way, we shouldn't use that as an excuse. I think we use that way too much, but none of us are. We're not perfect. But I was thinking even today, I was listening to a message today, and the, the preacher was preaching from Philippians. Philippians chapter 3 and verse number 1, and where the Apostle Paul spoke about the same things. You know, we really do live in an Athenian uh, culture and society where folks are always looking for some new thing. The Bible says there's nothing new under the sun. I, I, I'm very thankful I don't have to come up with something new every Sunday. All I have to do is go to the Word of God and say the same things that men before me have said. And, and I, I, I said that because I'm very thankful for the men. As he was preaching today... Uh, this gentleman was preaching and his dad was, was in the congregation. He was in the audience. And his dad has been a pastor for 50 plus years. Um, or excuse, excuse me, let me back up. His, his mom and dad, he mentioned, had been married for 50 years. His dad has been a pastor for 
about 35, 36 years. And he just made the statement. He said, you know, the older I get, the more thankful I am. Even though my dad wasn't perfect, the older I get, every single day he becomes my favorite pastor. Because he's been faithful. Not perfect, but faithful. And I simply say that because too often in our day, uh, we throw our mentors under the bus. We're too quick to do that. Because we might disagree with them on an issue or a couple of issues. And I'm not talking about truth tonight. Don't, don't misunderstand me tonight. But we may disagree and so we just, we just throw them under the bus. It's not right. We ought not do that. I ought not do that. That's a scorner. That's someone who has contempt for someone who is trying to teach and trying to warn. Look what the Bible says here in verses 18 and 19. I don't ever want to be a scorner. I can't say that I haven't been in my life. I'm sure I have been. I'm sure there have been times when I have resented correction, whether as a young person or even as an adult sometimes. But I don't want to be a scorner. I don't want to be that. And I'm going to give us five statements tonight. We're going to be here, and then we're going to be primarily in the book of Proverbs. So if you want to find your place and hold your place, put a piece of paper or something, we're going to, we're going to be in both tonight. And I want to give you five statements about the scorner tonight. Look at verses 18 and 19 here in Isaiah chapter number 5. The Bible says, Woe unto them that draw iniquity with cords of vanity, and sin as it were with a cart rope, that say, Let him make speed, and hasten his work, that we may see it. And let the counsel of the Holy One of Israel draw nigh and come that we may know it. So let me give you five statements, five characteristics of the scorner tonight. And I would encourage us tonight as we go through these five just to ask ourselves, do, do any of these characterize my life? Because none of us in here tonight, I don't believe any of us have a desire to be a scorner. To, to be someone who is arrogant and opinionated, who resents correction, despises authority, someone who shows contempt for those trying to teach or warn them. I don't think any of us want to be that tonight. So, so let's look. And by the way, by no means is this exhaustive. But I pray that we will listen to these five statements tonight and look as we go to the passages that bear this out. And I pray that we'll ask ourselves that question. Does any of this, does it characterize my life? Because I don't want it to. Father, help us tonight. Teach us. Remind us. Father, if it would be necessary, convict our hearts tonight. Help us to be quick and ready to get things right with you tonight, if that would be the case. Father, if we're doing well, if none of these things characterize our lives, lives tonight, then, Lord, we will praise you for it, and we will ask that you'll help us to continue in, in like fashion. And so, Lord, just work in our hearts tonight. We give these next few moments to you. We ask that your Holy Spirit would have freedom to move in our midst. May, may this speaker tonight be yielded to the Holy Spirit. May these hearers tonight be yielded 
to the Holy Spirit. May the Holy Spirit have freedom to work in our hearts tonight. And Father, we'll praise you and we'll thank you. And we'll give you glory and honor. At least, Lord, I pray that we will. I pray that we'll give you glory and honor for what you'll do in our hearts in these next few moments. And Father, we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Number one tonight, the scorner delights in his depravity. The scorner delights in his depravity. Notice again what the Bible says there in verse number 18. It uses two words. It uses the word sin and it uses the word iniquity. Sin is, the Bible tells us what sin is. Sin is the transgression of the law. Sin is the act. And in many cases, iniquity is the character, is the, uh, and I would say moral character, from which that sin comes. A person who their character or who are characterized by a, a um, just a personality of sin and wickedness, that's just who they are. Not an individual that, you know, every now and then, boy, they, they let something slip out of their mouth. I know you might say, well, uh, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. I understand that tonight, but there are times when things come out, don't it? Don't they? I mean, we didn't desire for it to, but it did. I, th- th- that would be a sin, but it doesn't come from a heart of iniquity. Iniquity is someone who's just bent in that direction. Notice what he says in verse number 18. Woe unto them that draw iniquity with cords of vanity and sin as it were with a cart rope. Now get the picture here. They're pulling sin around with them as if they're pulling a cart. They have this cart with ropes attached to it and they are pulling sin and iniquity around with them. And so tonight, number one, the scorner delights in his depravity. By the way, no matter how burdensome it is, no matter how heavy it is, no matter how much the ropes burn his or her hand. You ever had a rope burn? He said, woe to the individual who is just pulling sin around with him. Everywhere he goes, he has, he has uh, ropes, he has cords. The Bible says, by the way, what kind of cords does he say here? A vanity. Because there's no worth in a life that just pulls sin around with them all the time. A life that is characterized by sin and by iniquity. Number one, the scorner delights in his depravity. No matter how heavy the burden, no matter how much the ropes burn, no matter how it binds and captures him, because ultimately the reason he does it, the reason he pulls it around, is because ultimately he delights in it. And I'm going to show you a verse in just a moment that proves that. And ultimately, he confuses, don't miss this because this is verse 19. He confuses perceived peace with divine agreement. Let me explain that. Since nothing at the moment is happening, there's no lightning bolts from heaven. 
life seems to be okay. I, I don't seem to have the, the hand of God's judgment upon me. So everything must be okay. Until it's not. And so this individual thinks God's okay with it. God's okay with what I'm doing. He perceives that there is divine agreement with what he is doing. Because he continues to do it. Look at verse 19. They say, or excuse me, that say. Who are the that? Those that are drawing iniquity with cords of vanity and sin as it were with a cart rope. That say, let him make speed. You know who, who they're talking about there? They're talking about God. Let him make speed and hasten his work that we may see it. Hey Isaiah, I haven't seen anything you're talking about. Jeremiah, I haven't seen any of this wrath and judgment that you're talking about. Let him make speed and hasten his work that we may see it. And let the counsel of the Holy One of Israel draw nigh and come. That we may know it. Father, that's kind of a scary request, isn't it? Let me ask you tonight, did Israel find out? Did Judah find out? Absolutely. And woe to the man or the woman or the young person that pulls their sin around and they delight in it to the point that they say, God's not doing anything. I haven't seen Him work. You know, I, I, I hear my pastor and he, he talks about your sin will find you out. He talks about that there are consequences for sin. Oop, I haven't seen it. Okay, a couple things there. Number one, maybe you're not saved because God disciplines His children. But number two, God is way more long-suffering than we are and way more merciful than we are. So don't presume upon the mercy of God. And continue and continue and continue and continue. I haven't seen anything happen. I haven't seen anything happen until it does. Take your Bibles and go with me to the book of Proverbs. Actually, hold on, hold on. Before you do that, look at Isaiah 28. Isaiah 28, real quickly. I'm going to read just a lengthy passage here. Isaiah 28, then we'll go to Proverbs. The scorner, number one, delights in his depravity, in his sin and in his iniquity. Isaiah chapter number 28, notice verse number 14. Wherefore hear the word of the Lord, ye scornful men, that do what? Rule. It's bad when the people are scornful, but it's even worse when the leaders are scornful. I mean, they're leading. They're leading the nation. They're leading the city. They're, they're leading the people. And he said, Wherefore, hear the word of the Lord, ye scornful men that rule this people which is in Jerusalem. Because ye have said, We have made a covenant with death, and with hell are we at agreement. When the overflowing scourge shall pass through, it shall not come unto us. For we have made lies our refuge, and under falsehood have we hid ourselves. 
Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I lay in Zion for a foundation, a stone, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. He that believeth shall not make haste. Judgment also will I lay to the line, and righteousness to the plummet, and the hell shall sweep away the refuge of lies, and the waters shall overflow the hiding place. And your covenant with death shall be disannulled, and your agreement with hell shall not stand. When the overflowing scourge shall pass through, then ye shall be trodden down by it. From the time that it goeth forth, it shall take you. For morning by morning shall it pass over you by day and by night, and it shall be a vexation only to understand the report." For the bed is shorter that a man can stretch him, excuse me, stretch himself on it, and the covering narrow than that he can wrap himself in it. Isn't that, isn't that funny? He said, Your bed's not even big enough for you. Your covers aren't even big enough. You ever been in a hotel? And the, the covers at the end are tucked in really way down under there. And you get in and, and it, it it just comes to like right here, and you're like, oh no, that's not gonna work. Because during the night, I'm going to want it way up here. And you're pulling and you're stretching. And ultimately, you pull the whole thing out, right? Well, it's, it's so funny here. He says, look, you're, you're bad. Uh, where am I at? Verse 20. For the bed is shorter that a man can stretch himself on it. And the covering narrow, excuse me, narrower than that he can wrap himself in it. Something so simple. But so descriptive of the consequences of their sin. The consequences of the scornful ruler. Verse 21. For the Lord shall rise up as in Mount Perizim. He shall be wroth as in the valley of Gibeon. That he may do his work, his strange work. And bring to pass his act, his strange act. Now therefore be ye not mockers. Lest your bands be made strong. For I have heard from the Lord God of hosts a consumption. Even determined upon the whole earth. Give ye ear and hear my voice. Hearken and hear my speech. Doth the plowman plow all day to sow? Doth he open and break the clods of his ground? When he hath made plain the face thereof, doth he not cast abroad the fitches and scatter the cumin and cast in the principal wheat and the appointed barley and the rye in their place? For his God doth instruct him to discretion and doth teach him. For the fitches are not threshed with a threshing instrument, neither is a cartwheel turned about upon the cumin. But the fitches are beaten out with a staff and the cumin with a rod. Bread corn is bruised because he will not ever be threshing it, nor break it with the wheel of his cart, nor bruise it with his horsemen. This also cometh forth from the Lord of hosts, which is wonderful in counsel and excellent in working. The scorner delights in his depravity. Take your Bibles and go to the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter number 1. The scorner delights in his depravity, Proverbs chapter number 1. and verse number 22, the Bible says, How long, ye simple ones, will ye love simplicity? And the scorners, what's the next word? Delight in their scorning. And fools hate Knowledge. One other verse, Proverbs 29. Proverbs 29. Notice verse number 8. This goes right along with what we're reading in, in Isaiah chapter number 28. The ruler was the scornful man. Notice what it says in Proverbs chapter 29 in verse 8. Scornful men bring a city into a what? Snare. But wise men... Turn away wrath. So who do you want leading your city? The wise or the scornful? 
Because the Bible says scornful men bring a city into a snare. What is a scorner? An arrogant and opinionated person who resents correction, despises authority, and shows contempt for those trying to teach or warn him. Number one tonight, the scorner delights in his depravity. Number two, the scorner ridicules reproof. The scorner ridicules reproof. We already read Isaiah chapter 5 and verse number 19. They're saying, hey, I, hasten your work. Come. Let's see the counsel of the Holy One come to fruition. We haven't seen it yet. The scorner ridicules reproof. You're there in, in Proverbs. Look at Proverbs chapter number 9. Proverbs chapter number 9. The scorner ridicules reproof. By the way, what does the wise man do? He receives it because he knows that reproof is going to make him better. He knows if, if I'm out of line and someone reproves me, well, if they reprove me and if I listen and receive it, it's going to make me better. Proverbs chapter 9, verses 7 and 8. The Bible says, He that reproveth a scorner getteth to himself shame, and he that rebuketh a wicked man getteth himself a blot. Reprove not a scorner, lest he hate thee. Rebuke a wise man, and he will love thee. Now, by the way, that's not, these two verses aren't saying that we should never reprove a scorner. The idea is simply the scorner is not going to listen. The scorner is going to make a scene. The, the, the scorner is going to reject. The scorner is going to be rebellious toward any type of reproof. A little bit further, chapter number 13, Proverbs 13. The scorner ridicules reproof. Proverbs chapter 13. Do you receive, do I receive correction well? The scorner ridicules reproof. Proverbs chapter number 13 in verse number 1. The Bible says, A wise son heareth, excuse me, heareth his father's what? Instruction. But a scorner. Heareth not rebuke. Why? Because he despises authority. He resents correction. A scorner heareth not rebuke. The scorner ridicules reproof. Chapter 14 and verse number 6. Proverbs 14 and verse number 6. Boy, this is interesting. A scorner seeketh wisdom. And what? Findeth it not. Because he really doesn't want true wisdom. A scorner seeketh wisdom and findeth it not. He's not going to find wisdom because he's not going to listen to it. He's not going to listen to authority. He's not going to listen to those who are trying to teach and are trying to warn him. A scorner seeketh wisdom and findeth it not. But knowledge is easy unto him that understandeth. That person that, that uh, is considered wise because he hears and he receives. Listen, we said it recently. Just hearing doesn't make us wise. It's whether we receive it or not. We can, I mean, we can hear it all day long. We can hear it week in and week out and week in and week out and week in and week out and week in and week out. If we don't receive it and apply it to our lives, then it doesn't make us wise. And the Bible says here, it's easy. Knowledge is easy unto him that understandeth. Knowledge increases for that one that understands, I need to listen to this. And he receives it as the wise person. 
And knowledge is easy. Let me give you a couple more. Proverbs 15. The scorner ridicules reproof. Proverbs 15 and verse number 12. Proverbs 15, 12. A scorner loveth not one that reproveth him, neither will he go unto the wise. A scorner loveth not one that reproveth him, neither will he go unto the wise. That's why we reprove and discipline our, excuse me, our children when they're little, when they're young, because they receive it. You discipline a child when he's one or two or, or, or three. You discipline them. 30 minutes later, they're in your lap loving on you. They love you. Well, if you don't do that when they're little, when you try to do it when they're 10, 11, and 12, they hate you. They hate you. That's why you get their hearts early. A scorner loveth not one that reproveth him, neither will he go unto the wise. One more, chapter 19 and verse number 28. The scorner ridicules reproof. See, you want your children. Foolishness is bound in the heart of the child, but the rod of correction driveth it far from him. That's why you want to do that early. So that the older they get, they're gaining more wisdom and they're gaining more wisdom and they don't become a fool. Because you have driven the foolishness out of them. You've taught them how to have wisdom. You've taught them to receive wisdom. Proverbs chapter number 19 verse 28. An ungodly witness scorneth judgment. And the mouth of the wicked devoureth iniquity. An ungodly witness scorneth judgment, justice. That which is right. Number one, the scorner delights in his depravity. Number two, the scorner ridicules reproof. Let me give you a third. The scorner provokes with his pride. The scorner provokes with his pride. Again, Isaiah 5, 19. Keep going back to that. Hey, hasten your work, God. Let us see the counsel of the Holy One actually come, come to fulfillment. We haven't seen it yet. Woe to that man, the Bible says in Isaiah chapter number 5. The scorner provokes with his pride. Proverbs chapter number 21 and verse number 24. Proud and haughty scorner is his name who dealeth in proud wrath. Proverbs 14. Proverbs 14 verse number 9. We're just going to go quickly Excuse me, through these. Proverbs 14 verse number 9. The Bible says fools... Do what? Make a mock at sin. Proverbs 22 and verse number 10. Proverbs 22 and verse number 10. Cast out the scorner and contention shall go out. Yea, strife and reproach shall cease. Cast out the scorner and contention shall go out. Okay? Remember that. Now let's look at Proverbs 13. And verse number 10. Proverbs 22 and verse 10. Cast out the scorner and contention shall go out. Look at Proverbs 13 and verse number 10. Only by pride cometh what? Contention. What happens if you cast the scorner out? Contention leaves. Why? Because he's proud. Only by pride cometh contention. But with the well advised is wisdom. Number one, the scorner delights in his depravity. He ridicules reproof. Number three, the scorner provokes with his pride. Let me show you one more before we leave this one. Look in the book of Psalms, Psalm 129. Remember what we read in Isaiah 5, verse number 19? Hey, come, come. Hasten your work. 
Let's hear the, let's hear the counsel of the Holy One. Is He going to answer that? Will God eventually answer that? Absolutely. Look what He says in Psalm 129, verse number 4. If you think about the cords and the ropes that we saw in Isaiah 5.18, Psalm 129 and verse number 4, the Bible says the Lord is what? Righteous. He hath done what? Cut asunder the what? The cords of the wicked. He's going to answer. Now again, I'm thankful He's long-suffering. And I'm thankful He's merciful. But I should never presume upon that mercy. I should never... Listen, we should never have this mentality. Well, it's okay if I do that because God will forgive me. Will He? Is He a God of forgiveness? Absolutely, but... You're, you're going to do something with that mentality and say, well, I'm going to do it because God will forgive me afterward. We should never presume upon the mercy of God. Especially if we know before we even do it. By the way, the Bible says that which we do apart from faith is what? Sin. We know before we even do it that it's sin. Number one, the scorner delights in his depravity. The scorner ridicules reproof. The scorner provokes with his pride. I, I Listen, I've, to, I've told you this before. I've told you this story before, but shortly after my wife and I came here, we, we were visiting an individual, and it was an individual who um, had come to the church, and we, we were visiting. And I, I knew, the, I knew the, the gentleman, and we were visiting. And, and while I was there, uh, there was a lady that pulled up, and she came in the house. And we're there visiting in the, the living room area and, and she leaves and goes to a different part of the house and I just looked and I was like, who's that? He said, oh, that's my girlfriend. She lives here. I said, whoa, whoa, whoa wait a minute. You know that's wrong, don't you? He said, oh yeah, I know it's wrong. You know what he said? This is what he told me. He said, but if we get married, it'll mess up my taxes and my insurance. That's being a scorner. I just looked at him like, I mean, we had a good relationship. I could say things to him and he didn't get mad. And I just told him, I said, you know that's not going to end well. And he said, yeah, but it's not affecting my taxes or insurance right now. I gave him the verse over in Chronicles where the Bible says, God says, uh, or the, the prophet, he tells King Amaziah, he said, the Lord is able to give thee much more than this. Hey, if you'll do right, the Lord will take care of that insurance and taxes. Let the Lord take care of it. Don't, don't you try to figure it out with sin. The scorner delights in his depravity. He ridicules reproof. Thirdly, he provokes with his pride. Provokes who? God. He provokes with his pride. Let me give you number four, the scorner. And I've just got two left. Number four, the scorner limits the Lord. The scorner delights in his depravity. He ridicules reproof. He provokes with his pride. And then number four, he limits the Lord. Take your Bibles and go to the New Testament with me, if you would, to the book of Mark. Mark chapter number five. Mark chapter number five. 
The scorner limits the Lord. Let me ask you, your family this year, are y'all praying for anything, anything for the Lord to do in your life this year? You don't have to answer that out loud. My family, we usually at the beginning of the year, we, there's some things we pray about, whether it's physical or spiritual, but just some things that we're praying about this year specifically that we want to see God do. And a couple of them we've been praying for for a long, long time, but we're just praying for God to do some specific things in our family this year and in our lives this year. And I don't want to do anything to limit the Lord. I don't want to do anything in my life to limit the Lord. I don't want my children to do anything in their lives to limit the Lord and His power. And I don't ever want us to have the mentality that God can't do it. Because I'm going to tell you, a couple of things we're praying for, they're big deals. If it happens this year, well, we'll be praising the Lord for it. We'll be praising the Lord if it happens or not. I mean, they're big deals. By the way, you ought to pray for things like that. And let God show your children that He can answer. I'm so thankful for my family. Mark chapter 5 and verse 40. You have some great content here in Mark 5. You have the woman with an issue of blood. Christ is kind of hindered and held up. He's um, in verse number, uh, let's see, verse number 22. Jairus comes to Christ and he wants him to come back to his home because his daughter's not doing well. And on the way, they're, they're, they're hindered. I say hindered. Jesus isn't hindered. But we, we have the woman with the issue of blood. She touches his garment, right? And he finally, he gets to Jairus' house. Jairus, Jairus, however you pronounce it. Notice verse number 35 before we get down to the verse that I'd, I'd like for us to get to. The Bible says in verse 35, While he yet spake, there came from the ruler of the synagogue's house certain which said, Thy daughter is dead. Why troublest thou the master any further? Such a great verse. Verse 36. As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he saith unto the ruler of the synagogue, Be not afraid. Only believe. Don't be afraid. Only believe. Verse 39, and when he was come in, he saith unto them, Why make ye this ado and weep? Why are you making such a big deal? The damsel is not dead, but what? But sleepeth. And what happened? Very next, very next line, what happened? And they laughed him to what? Scorn. You know what they did? In their minds, they had put limits on the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says, and they laughed him to scorn. But when he had put them all out, he taketh the father and the mother of the damsel and them that were with him and entereth in where the damsel was lying. 
And he took the damsel by the hand and said unto her, Talithi kumai, which is being interpreted, Damsel, I say unto thee, arise. And straightway the damsel arose and walked, for she was of the age of 12, excuse me, 12 years. And they were astonished with a great astonishment. Now, by the way, we find the same, uh, we find the same account in the book of Luke, Luke chapter 8. And verse number 53, the scorner limits the Lord. Let me give you one other passage. Go back in the Old Testament to the book of Psalms, Psalm 78. Psalm 78, the scorner delights in his depravity. He ridicules reproof. He provokes with his pride. Number four, he limits the Lord. Well, God can't do that. God's not able to do that. Psalm 78, verse 32 the Bible says, for all this they sinned still. We, we know Psalm 78, it's a, it's a rehashing, a rehearsing of some of the history of the nation of Israel. This says, for all this they sinned still and believed not for His wondrous works. Therefore their days did He consume in vanity and their years in trouble. When He slew them, then they sought Him and they returned and inquired early after God. And they remembered that God was their rock and the high God their Redeemer. By the way, when did they do that? When did, when did they do verse 35? When he slew them. Can I tell you a time? It doesn't have to happen that way. We don't have to wait till God slays us and then return to him and then he does wonderful things. We don't have to wait for that. We can just stay in verse number 35. And they remembered after they slew him, after God brought the consequences and the judgment. It says they returned and inquired early and they remembered that God was their rock and the high God their redeemer. Nevertheless, they did flatter Him with their mouth and they lied unto Him with their tongues. Just lip service. No heart for Him. For their heart was not right with Him. Neither were they steadfast in His covenant. But He being full of compassion, forgave their iniquity and destroyed them not. Yea, many a time turned he his anger away and did not stir up all his wrath. For he remembered that they were but flesh, a wind that passeth away and cometh not again. How oft did they provoke him in the wilderness and grieve him in the desert. Notice verse 41. Yea, they turned back and tempted God and did what? Limited the Holy One of Israel. Verse 42. They remembered not His hand, nor the day when He delivered them from the enemy. The scorner delights in His depravity. The scorner ridicules reproof. He provokes with His pride. He limits the Lord. And then let me give you number five. Turn, take your Bibles and we'll end here tonight. Take your Bibles to Psalm 1. Psalm 1. Number five. The scorner belittles God's blessings. He belittles God's blessings. He belittles God's blessings. He surrenders his opportunity for success. He belittles God's blessings. Psalm 1, very first word, blessed. We know that carries the idea of happiness. Um, uh, thrice happy, if you will. Blessed is the man. That walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. Notice the progression in verse number 1. He's walking. 
and he's standing. He stops and he's standing. Nor standeth in the way of sinners. And then he is sitting. By the way, that's kind of the progression Lot took, wasn't it not? Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of who? Scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he, who? The blessed man. The man who doesn't walk in the council, who doesn't stand in the way of sinners, who doesn't sit in the seat of the scornful. And he, and he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall what? Prosper. The ungodly are not so. Who's that? That's the scorner. That's the ungodly counsel. That's the sinners in verse number 1. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. They're not going to be able to stand before God in the day of judgment. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall what? Perish. The scorner belittles God's blessings. That individual who you read Psalm 1 to them, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. You read Psalm 1 to them and you encourage them and you try to teach and you try to warn. Stay away from ungodly counsel. Stay away. Don't, don't, don't stand with sinners. Don't sit in the seat of the scornful. And you try to warn and you try to teach and you try to warn and you try to teach. And they're obnoxious and arrogant and opinionated. They resent correction. They despise authority. And they have contempt for those who try to teach and those who try to warn. What do they do? They miss out on the blessings. And by the way, that's why someone, whoever it may be, whether it's a mom or dad, whether it's a pastor or a Sunday school teacher, that's why they're trying to warn them to begin with. Because they want them to have the blessings, right? Yeah. They want them to be like a tree planted by the rivers of water whose leaf doesn't wither, who's going to bring forth his fruit in his due season. Whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. That's what we want for our children, is it not? We, we want that spiritually, don't we? we? We want them to have that spiritual life, right? We want them to be blessed, right? That's why we teach. But the scorner says, absolutely not. He's arrogant. He's opinionated. He resents correction. He hates authority. He has contempt for anyone who tries to teach and warn. And by the way, we have raised a nation full of scornful people. They question authority. You say, Pastor, you don't think authority ought to ever be questioned? That's not what I'm saying tonight. Don't you put words in my mouth. But not the way our nation does. And by the way, let me say this. We ought never question God. Now, you may have questions for Him. And you may take those with a sincere heart to Him. But you should never question Him. 
You never question who He is and what He does in His Word. You never question Him. And we've raised a nation of scornful people where we question everything, especially authority. Woe to the scorner. So, any of those characteristics? Are any of those born out in your life? I pray not. I wouldn't think so. I look around, I wouldn't think so at all. But if in your heart you'd say, you know, Pastor, there's a couple of them that kind of strike home to me tonight. Listen, take time and get it right. Don't, woe, woe to the man that draweth iniquity with cords of vanity. Woe, he's warning. Woe to that man. Woe to that man that with a scornful fist and a scornful mouth says, hey, hasten, do something, work. I, I haven't seen any of your counsel come to pass. Do something. And then when he does, it's too late. You think about the scornful men in Genesis. Noah preaches and preaches and preaches. A man of righteousness, he preaches. No doubt they make fun of Noah. Who gets in the ark? Eight people. Pastor, you think all those other people died? I absolutely do because the Bible bears that out. And only eight people. Why? Because the rest of them are scornful. God help us not to be a scornful people. Amen? Father, thank you for the time tonight. Father, thank you for your word. Help us. Help us to be wise believers, wise Christians. Father, help us to help our children to be wise young people, to be wise children who receive your word and who receive correction. They don't scorn it. They don't push it off. They know that it's going to make them better. And I pray that that would be the case with us as adults tonight. Father, when correction comes, may we receive it properly. Father, when authority tries to teach and warn, Father, may we heed it. May we listen to it. May we receive it. Father, help us in these next few moments. We pray that you would hear us, incline your ear toward us, and we'll surely thank you for it. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Let's take some time and pray tonight.